actually the very first week we tried to start going into retail stores, cold calling retail stores was um, four days before the country started doing lockdowns. So um, dramatically changed how we thought about going to market. Have you ever wondered, how do you grow a conscious e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah, me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers, there must be a better way, right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful, purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tanyono and welcome to the Conscious E-Commerce Leaders Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Conscious E-Commerce Leaders Podcast. I'm so excited to be joined here with Matt Beck. He's the founder and CEO of Hoppy Planet Foods. Now, Matt has been a serial entrepreneur since young. He was running a snow shoveling company with his friend in high school, and then a textbook rental in college, and then also a micro transit company. He also has experience working with major food company Frito-Lay and also a tech giant Google. And now combining with his passion for sustainability and nutrition, he launched Hoppy Planet Foods in 2019. Now, Hoppy Planet Foods is best known for their healthy snacks that is nutritionally balanced and delicious as well. So I was actually initially surprised with what the main ingredient was, but turns out there's actually billions of people eating them. So we'll talk more about this with uh, Matt in this episode. And what I love also is what they wrote on their website is at Hoppy Planet Foods, we make the food you love, love you back. So that's how it's... It should be done, right? So without further ado, welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Vincent. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. So uh, let's just start off with a little bit of, a, of your history because I'm quite curious. So tell me, what was it that motivated you to start your own snacks company? That's a great question. You know, I think I've been entrepreneurial for a long time. You know, like you mentioned in the rundown there, thanks for the, the, the history. Um, you know, I've, I've always had a passion for trying to solve problems that I thought needed to be solved around me. Um, as I learned more and got a little bit older, I, I started to realize how important it was to combine that with personal passions of mine as well. Especially as you go through, you know, a, 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 an entrepreneurial startup journey, you find that if you do not wholeheartedly believe in the reason why you're doing what you're doing, uh, you're probably going to run out of steam because it is a tough climb. So, uh, you know, for me, I thought about how could I take the experience that I knew from my professional career. I worked for about seven years at Frito-Lay, uh, selling all kinds of snacks all over the country and, and sales and strategy. And then uh, I went to Google and worked with the major food and snack companies, your Crafts and your Mondelez of the world on their data and analytics and how to deliver better products to customers. And I said, well, I've got a pretty solid depth of, of background there. How could I combine that with a personal passion of mine, uh, which is sustainability and, and driving eco-awareness and eco-consciousness in, in everything that we do. And if I could put the two of those together, um, I might be able to do something pretty powerful. Uh, so let me see what we can do. And, and that's how Happy Planet was born. Oh yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, this main ingredient that you have, uh, Acheta protein, because before this, I've actually never heard of it. And 
And when I found out what it was, it was actually, I thought it was quite odd because, and, uh, because it was from crickets, right? So for the yes. listeners who may not be familiar with it, can you uh, give like what exactly it is and what are some of the benefits? Yeah, so a cheddar protein is a, is a form of cricket protein. Um, you might have seen it in uh, some products that went on Shark Tank. It's, it's been featured in things like Men's Journal and, and um, Women's Fitness and things like that. Uh, it's Realistically, it's, it's one of the most natural kind of superfood ingredients that the world has to offer us that in Western diets has been completely omitted. You know, like you mentioned before, uh, it, nearly 80% of the world population at some point eats some form of insect related food, whether it be for protein, whether it be as a, as a topping or a garnish. If you've ever uh, been to many parts of Asia or Africa, it's a, it's a staple. Even if you go to Mexico, you find it on tacos and guac. It's a, it's a very common uh, place ingredient, not so much in the US and, and in Western Europe. And we really kind of wanted to dig in and understand why, because when you step back and actually look at it as an ingredient, um, it ranks uh, almost the highest that you're going to find naturally in terms of protein content. Cricket is about 70%, 60 to 70% protein by weight. Uh, they are uh, extremely low maintenance in terms of their water intake and their feed intake. So it takes about 99% less water to produce the same amount of protein through, through cricket and achetta than it does, say, beef or, or whey. It also doesn't require processing. It can be, you know, made locally. It doesn't have to be shipped all around the world. And so for many reasons, it's actually a really great answer to a lot of our issues, especially in a world where we're having trouble feeding everybody and it's only going to get worse. So for me, that, that was kind of a, um, that was an easy answer. If the, if it was 80% of people are doing it and 20% just don't understand why they need to do it or, or have a knee jerk reaction, how do I get them past that? And then maybe, you know, we could all be solving this problem together. Yeah, and you're mentioning that people in US and in Europe, they're not very familiar with it. So how is it that I'm sure that you need to do some sort of education or to do some uh, belief shifting, uh, shift their perspective to some education? Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and so there are other companies uh, that work in the same space with us. They use forms of cric uh, cricket or other insect protein and and... Um, that's, I think, the problem that, that the most run into. What, what we realized was it was less about educating folks specifically about the protein, but more about what the products do for you when the protein is in it. It's a much more understandable lesson for people to have. There's many products in the market that you could take as, as examples of that. You know, when yogurt started having probiotics in it, you know, people didn't need to know what, you know, a basilicus was, right, that goes into it. They wanted to know, you tell them what probiotics do for them, and then they're excited about it. You know, collagen, the explosion of collagen water and collagen proteins is another one. Um, people actually knew where collagen came from. There might not be as many people, you know, eating it and drinking it, but the, the point is they, they, they like what it does for them. And that's what we really focus on as well. You know, the, it is, uh, from a nutritional standpoint, much better for you. It has higher calciums and B12 contents. Um, it has that higher clean protein content. It's going to be less processed. Uh, it's, it's usable and flexible in ways that other things are not. And so really it's a great benefit. It ends up, it's a, it's a great probiotic, uh, prebiotic. And so the, the health benefits to you are what we lean on and we talk about, because that's really what people care about. The, the way to achieving it ends up being a lot less important once you show people that you have something that they want. Yeah, very true. I, I totally agree with that. Like 
I also believe that people, they don't really just, they, they're not buying the product for the product itself, but they're buying like the, the outcome, right? They're buying the outcome or the feelings that come with the outcome, which That's in this exactly case, right. they want better health. So uh, take me back a little bit to like uh, your role in Google and because you were working with many of the uh, food companies looking at all the data, right? So what were some of your, like, your takeaways that helped you uh, in this journey? That's a good question. You know, I think there's a couple things. I think one thing that always struck me as really interesting is um, how long it takes some of those companies to bring products to market. Uh, it, it takes Mondelez about the same amount of time to bring a product to market as it took us to bring a product to market with no food science background, no experience and no, you know, nothing to no help from scale that we had to build everything from scratch. And now when we come up with a new line extension, a new product, it's a matter of months and not a matter of years. I always found that pretty interesting because they have the mm -hmm. access to more information uh, than we do. And sometimes that actually is what slows them down. Um, but I also found that there were often big pockets of information that didn't solve the problem that a major company was looking for, but they solve a problem for a lot of people otherwise. And, and that's where we really start to help decide what to do with our business and where to go and what we should focus on here. Um, there's a really interesting concept that used to happen when I worked at Frito-Lay and it was, you know, more or less something along the lines of if something wasn't going to be a hundred million dollar brand in like 24 mm -hmm. months, then it wasn't even worth pursuing and, or it would get dropped. And in a company that does billions of dollars a year, you know, there's only so much they could do and that seems to make sense. But to any, any person starting from the opposite end of the scale, a hundred million dollars is massive. And you say, yeah. so you're telling me there's all these great things that we can do and changes and improvements that we can make, particularly in eco-conscious ways and, and in ways to build us a better future. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of hundred million dollar opportunities out there, but but everybody's going to pass on them because they're not, you know, a hundred billion. So that that's one of the things that really kind of always was a head scratcher that made us think like, maybe we should dig deeper on some of this. Yeah. I think some of these bigger companies, they are more driven by profit, right? Instead of like what is good for the people, what is good for the planet. Yeah. So that's why I really like what you're, what you're doing here at Hoppy Planet Foods. So in our previous exchange, uh, you're mentioning that right now you are at a stage where you are ready to scale. So what was it like, like your startup journey from when you started have this, when you started to have this idea uh, to launch this uh, product until where you, are to, where you are at today? Yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's what's taken us two years to get here. And I, I think that's maybe the part that um, is, is, is missed or people don't appreciate as much when they're, when they're first launching a company and they have the idea, having been in the industry, I kind of had an understanding that this is probably the timeline we worked on, but every step forward uh, doesn't necessarily require a step backwards, but every step forward then requires, you know, 10 more steps or things you need to do than the last one to be able to continue to move forward again. So it's been an interesting journey. You know, we started, we created the products in, in my kitchen, um, you know, test and learn. And until we found, you know, something that we felt was appropriate for the market that could really, make us stand out, you know, and from there you have to get all your, you know, testing and, and friends and family, and then people who don't know you and will give you an actual honest answer on some of these things. And then figuring out how to scale, we ended up joining um, a, a bit of a food incubator type of place. There's a shared kitchen with an incubator attached to it. 
Um, we weren't per se in an incubator program, but it allowed us the flexibility to produce in, 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 in a, you know, an FDA approved kitchen and start to be able to sell to stores and grow from there. And, um, you know, that's a whole nother set of series of ramp ups and things you learn and failures that you go through and, um, and more responsibilities that you have to take on and brought in another partner to help some of those. And then we had to start hiring some part-time staff to get through there. And every time you hit like an accomplishment, there's another set of hurdles to figure out the, um, I think kind of the takeaway is if you run out of hurdles, then you probably stop making progress. So be more concerned when there's no hurdles than when there are. Um, and, and to get us to the point where then we were able to find success that said, there's a leap that you always have to make from, you know, this, this scale where you feel like you've proven that you have a concept to a scale where from a manufacturing and distribution stand, um, people to take you seriously, you, you need, you need to be at, and there's definitely a gap and you've really got to kind of jump that gap and, and press really hard to get some people to believe in you and, and buy in with you and carry you and, and make it all work at the same time. That's a lot of the world that we've worked through very recently. We've been able to move on and bring uh, co-manufacturers onto the mix so that we have, you know, professional facilities built, you know, making our products that helps take our, uh, you know, upward uh, production caps off. And now we've got to make sure that we're expanding our distribution and our sales to keep up with the capacity that we've, you know, promised that we'll fill and, and what do we need to do for that? And what kind of folks do we have to hire on and add to the team to do that? So it's just a continuous journey. It's been, it's been fun. Um, it certainly gets more complex every step of the way, but, you know, again, if it's getting more complex, uh, in the right ways, then, then you're probably doing well. Yeah. So initially, um, you were saying like when you were testing it with, uh, friends, family, and also some groups of people, like how, how exactly do you find those, uh, groups of people? Do you like go to like, uh, trade shows or, because I know that you were also like yeah. somewhat affected by COVID, yeah, right? Definitely. So actually the very first week we tried to start going into retail stores, cold calling retail stores was, um, four days before the country started doing lockdowns. So um, dramatically changed how mm. we thought about going to market. When, in terms of testing and, and you know, trial before you actually launch into the market, um, you know, start with friends and family because especially with food, you know, they still probably have to talk to you even if you give them something that they don't like. Uh, but you got to very quickly, you know, expand out from there. Friends of friends, coworkers or past coworkers, you know, a lot of folks will be really hesitant to give someone, you know, have someone try their product because maybe they're afraid they're going to steal their idea or um, aren't sure if it's ready yet. Mm. In reality, everybody can have many ideas. It's whether or not you can execute on it, which is the big difference. And so if your biggest concern is someone's going to steal your idea, then if they do and they're successful, then they probably just executed better than you and they would have done it later on down the road anyway. So save yourself a heartache. Um, but you, you just start asking and, and anybody who's willing to try it and give you feedback. And really what you're actually looking for is people who give you feedback that um, does not um, conform to what you think and does not just kind of give you positivity because a hundred people telling you the same positive message because they don't want you to feel bad just sets you up to fail bigger or later and lose more money. So you just got to try to find folks who are going to give you honest answers. Yeah. Excellent advice. So now that uh, you are ready to scale, what is your vision for say the next one to two years? One to two years. So we are really uh, looking to open as many 
retail doors as we possibly can. We're kind of doing that in two ways. One is through the, the larger, um, larger supermarket route, uh, first in, in regional and then super regional uh, places. So we're actually uh, planning our rollout into high V supermarkets in the Midwest here in, in the coming months. Uh, we're also we're trying to nail down a couple others uh, to start to get our product more availability so that we can then start to drive more awareness into the market and drive people to actually go buy it. There's a really tough balance between building building up this awareness of your brand, but then not having people be able to go buy it versus, you know, you can't put it in stores and not, not sell anything. So working through that balance. And at the same time, we're also working the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, your convenience stores and your, you know, mom and pop stores and, and a lot of that on the local level are great places to get people to try your product first uh, in a, in a call it less committal way. And so um, we're kind of doing a two-pronged approach there. But, you know, two years from now, ideally we're in uh, supermarkets, you know, coast to coast here, uh, at least some regional markets, uh, some regional supers, you know, from, from, you know, New York to California. What about online? Is that part of the uh, plan as well? Or is that uh, further down the road? Yeah, so we, we certainly sell online. Um, we, we do some sales through our website. We also have uh, some online partnerships like... Um, you know, build your own snack boxes. There are, there are companies like, um, you know, thrive markets of the world that, that can, you know, potentially partner with brands. And, and those are definitely crucial pieces of the puzzle without a doubt for us selling our own products has been interesting. Um, cook, cookies are our main product. It's, it's an interesting area. You know, we sell a, a bag of cookies is, is five ninety nine or less. And so to the economics of being able to ship, uh, it makes things challenging when you're talking about things like protein powder or protein bars or things like that, uh, you know, you can, you can charge 30 bucks and it's okay. And then offer free shipping when you, when you charge $5 for a product, you know, someone's got to buy six or seven bags before they get free shipping for the, for the math to work. And um, you know, some people really love cookies, but buying seven at a time isn't a normal, you know, behavior. So for us, it, it's folks, uh, it, it's an awareness driver. There are folks who do it, who really love, you know, what, what we're putting out there. And we try to get feedback from those folks is really the, the most important thing that we get um, more, more than their sales dollars is, is their feedback back to us uh, because we know that that'll beget, you know, positive, uh, positive growth once we get into more stores. Mm, yeah. Awesome. That's, that's an awesome vision that you have. I, I think um, the, your product has, a lot of potential and I, I believe that you can definitely do it. And so uh, I like to ask this uh, question to my guest is, what would you say is the best advice that you have ever received? You know, I, I think one piece of it, you know, maybe the strongest piece of advice is, is what I just mentioned before, which is go find people who are gonna tell you what you don't wanna hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'd say that the next best piece of advice is, um, find a small group of folks who you can readily rely on and trust their opinion of. You're going to have to make a lot of decisions and you won't always know the right answer. And if you try to make all those decisions yourself, you're going to get a lot of them wrong. Have a group of people who have varied expertise that that can give you an opinion. And then you have to really take their opinion. Um, you can't have it as people that you ask and then just say, ah, oh, no, you're wrong. It's not what I think. 
Um, so do you mean like cool. a like an advisor or a mentor or something like that? Or? It's effectively, you know, some a bit of an advisory board or, or a mentor. You know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be something official. You don't have to give someone a piece of a company or anything like that. They're, they might be past coworkers. They might be people that care about you. They might just be people in the industry. Um, you know, I, I personally turned to, I brought on a partner because I believe so strongly in his opinion. I have um, happen to have my brother who has great startup experience and professional experience uh, and, and doing strategy work to press things against. I have a few mentors who are still in the snack industry from my time from Frito-Lay who I'll, I'll run things by and they'll flat out tell me that'll work or that don't work or people will, won't care about that. So I, having that with an industry, you know, tailored look at it, incredibly important. Incredibly, it saves you from so many pitfalls. Yeah, awesome. That's excellent advice. So uh, before we wrap this up, so for folks that want to check out Happy Planet Foods and what you're all about, or perhaps even buy some cookies, buy some snacks, um, how do they do that? Yeah, so you can go on hoppyplanetfoods.com. Uh, you can buy uh, our cookies in large packs and in singles. We have a couple other products on there too. We're rolling out more products over the course of the summertime. So um, by all means, give them a shot. They will surprise the heck out of you. They are absolutely delicious. Uh, and you'll kind of wonder why someone hasn't come out with better few versions of these in the past. Uh, you know, what we like to tell you, you know, like you said it earlier, Vincent was we make the foods you love, love you back. You know, you're going to buy a cookie. It better still taste like a cookie, but the fact that it's got more protein, less added sugar and a clean ingredient label is probably going to make you feel pretty good and, and differently about, about eating it. You know, I, I eat cookies for breakfast now and I consider myself a healthy and athletic person and I do it without blinking an eye. So, um, you know, please go ahead, give them a try. And if you do let us know what you think, whether you love them or you hate them, please tell us. Yeah. So go ahead and get your cookies. And also in the next year or so, you will definitely see them in retail stores as well. So before we wrap this up, Matt, is there anything else you'd like to share that perhaps I didn't ask? No, I, I would just say, Vincent, you know, thank you so much for, for what you're doing. I, I think, you know, there is a, a, a strong growing sentiment of, of people who are seeking eco-conscious uh, and, and healthier brands all around. You know, our, our mission is to deliver, you know, uh, delicious and more nutritious snacks to people all over the world. But it, it, it stems from this belief that food is one of the single greatest drivers of, of health, uh, both within our body and in the environment around us. And it's, it's amazing what we can do uh, when we make just small changes and small choices. And so, um, you know, the more brands and the more folks that you have on here, I think is, is fantastic because that's more, more choices that people can make. Yeah, totally agree. That's what this show is all about. So it was a pleasure having you on the show, Matt. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.